right, good evening, everybody. Good to see you here tonight. Greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's good to be with you. We have been very nourished and cared for and blessed by you dear people already. Your hospitality has been exceptional. And uh, we started the day with some lovely cinnamon rolls. We ended the day with some delightful garlic bread and soup. And we had a very nice meal in between. So thank you. Thank you for caring for us in that way. And I heard a little bit of echo of the message this evening in the devotional this evening. And I am delighted that you have men of God here who love the word of God and are able to share it effectively. And it was a, it was a highlight to be able to hear about the highlights from your Bible reading this morning. And last evening, we sort of gave the Old Testament a little bit of a, you know, I don't want to say it was a bad rap, (laughs) but, uh, you know, the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came in Jesus Christ. But, you know, there's a lot of good things in the law of Moses as well that are very nourishing and substantial to our spiritual well-being. So uh, we certainly want to take advantage of that. I have done that for the last... 10, 15 years, read through my Bible every year. This year, I decided I'm not going to do it. (laughs) I'm going to read the New Testament and a little bit of the Old Testament and focus on that because I've been time after time going through the Bible. I said, you know what? I think it's time for something different this year. So I commend you for that. That is a very good project. Anyway, I invite you to turn in your Bible this evening to Psalm 51. And uh, we're going to talk about something this evening that has the potential of being such a tremendous, powerful blessing in your life. And I hope uh, this evening that this message is totally unnecessary for you. And I hope that you are enjoying the blessing of what we're going to talk about, and that is to have a clean heart. So we're going to read Psalm 51, we're going to read the whole psalm, and then we're going to focus primarily this evening on verse 10 of the psalm. Uh, Psalm 51 says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and clear, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide not thy, hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. 
For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offerings and whole burnt offering. Then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. So we probably all have something that comes to mind when we hear the name David. I don't know what it is. Maybe you think Psalms. Maybe you think David and Goliath. Maybe you think of some great story from the life of David. Maybe you are one here this evening that thinks about David's sin when you hear the name David. But here David is expressing his remorse and his regret and his sorrow for his sin. And so we hear a man who is, as it says in verse 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. So we have the expressions of the heart of a broken man. Someone who was confronted and realized their sin before God and had the right response. There is no pride in sin. And there is no benefit in sin. And there is nothing to boast about in sin. The only response that is appropriate regarding sin is that of brokenness and remorse and regret and repentance. And so we hear that from this man as we read this psalm. So we're going to look at verse 10 this evening primarily where it says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. We're going to talk tonight about a clean heart. And I tell you tonight, a clean heart is the most valuable and precious commodity of your life. If you can have, if you have a clean heart tonight, you have something most valuable and most precious. But you know what? We live in a society that is very corrupt and very dirty and very evil and very sinful. And there's very few people walking our land today that actually walk with a clean heart. And if you are one of them this evening, if you are one of the few in this corrupt and evil world that is able to walk through this world with a clean heart and a pure mind, you are an exceptional individual because it's very uncommon. It's rare, okay? And so tonight we're going to talk about that. And maybe as you came to this church service tonight, You know, I have no idea what you brought along with you tonight. I do not know what is going on inside of you. I can look at you, and you all look very nice. You dressed well. You put on the right face. You came to church, and here you are. And everyone might look at you and admire you and appreciate you and think that you're all that great. But I don't know. I don't know what's inside of you. But I tell you, there's one who does know what's inside of you, and that is the God of heaven. He looks down upon your life tonight. And he knows what you carried in these doors tonight. Our brother talked about being prepared and ready for worship. God knows if you came prepared and ready for worship. He knows if you came in here dragging a bunch of garbage and baggage with you. He knows that about you. He also knows if you came in here with a pure mind and a pure heart tonight, and you are ready to worship him. And you're ready to serve him. You're ready to pour out your life for him. 
He knows that about you. So whether good or bad, he knows. He knows who we are and what we are about. And so I don't have to tell you this evening that we live in a dirty and a sick world. I have a neighbor man. My neighbor man drives a Jeep. Nothing wrong with that. Um, Now, that's about where it breaks down. It's okay to drive a Jeep. But to be that man is not okay. He drives by my house with a long cigar sticking out of his mouth. And he has gruesome colors and pictures all over his body. They go from, I don't know if they go from the top of his head to the bottom of his foot. I don't know that. But the parts of his body that are showing, maybe you have a tattoo here tonight if you are, if you have one, and you're among God's people, praise God, God bless you. Um, we, have a, we have a brother and a semi-brother, I don't know if he's a brother or not, a man who comes to our church, uh, two men come into our church that have tattoos. It's okay, it's okay. That's uh, evidence of a former life. You know, maybe if I'd have hung around in the world long enough, I'd end up with a tattoo too. I don't know, but I didn't. <laughs> so praise God, I don't have to worry about that. But uh, this man has, I mean, he's painted, colored, you know, all kinds of designs from top to bottom, okay? He has, on the front of his Jeep that he drives, the Jeep's got big wheels, and it's very noisy, but it says, sick boy, right across his windshield, okay? Sick boy. And I tell you what, if, if truth would be told... And everybody would say what they are on the front of their vehicle. There's a lot of men, maybe even women in our society, that ought to be driving around with sick boy written across their, their windshield because there's a lot of them out there. Okay? We live in a sick world. We live in a perverted world. We live in a world that is saturated with filth and pollution and corruption. We talked about that a little bit last night. And you know what? As we, as we mingle... And as we relate, as we go the places we need to go, and as we do the things that we need to do, we have to slog around in the mud. Okay? You understand what I'm saying? We have to relate to people who are filthy. We have to drive places where we see things that are filthy. Sometimes we may be even at a place where we have to listen to something that is filthy. And so we have to slog our way as God's people through this world that is mucky and yucky and messy. And it's like walking through a garden after the rain. You know what happens to your shoes? You walk through the garden after a rain and you get mud on your shoes, right? You can't help it. It's just what happens. And so it is possible this evening that as we relate And as we go and as we do, it's possible that we would get mud on our shoes from this filthy world that we have to live in. Now, thankfully, the grace of God is sufficient. Thankfully, the forgiveness of God is available if we have become defiled. Thankfully, his power is available that we can overcome. We talked about that last evening as well. But it's very difficult to go through this world without getting mud on our shoes. And so, we can't help, and I've said this many a time, but we can't help what we see. Sometimes we can't help what we hear. We just can't help it. We're there. We're in that situation. But we can help what we actually think about and what we actually focus on, okay? That is our decision. And so, we, 
want to pray with the psalmist this evening. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Now, the, the word create, we go back to the first chapter of the Bible. We're not going to do that tonight because you're all very familiar with, how, of, with what happened there. But God, who existed forever in eternity, I, I don't know what awakened his desire to have a creation. I don't know what changed. I don't know what sparked his interest. But there was a day approximately six, 7,000 years ago before days actually existed, but there was a moment that God began creating. Okay, there was darkness, there was void, and God said into this darkness and into this void, he said, let there be light. And lo and behold, something that never was there before, all of a sudden there it was, and God created with only his voice and his thought light came into existence. Now, we can't even imagine a, light, uh, a world of darkness because the world is so full of light. This building is full of light. The foyer is full of light. This evening, uh, some of us got a chance to look out the window. Wow, the sun was going down, and there were some beautiful colors in the evening sky. And uh, God is a God of light. In him is light and no, no darkness at all in God. But he spoke that light into existence and it was created out of nothing. And it came on the scene, and there it was. Uh, we can read a few verses. Actually, I have them in my notes here. We should read them. A few verses from Genesis chapter 1. Uh, verses 1 to 3. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was out without form and void. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And so the words of God are mighty. And his words are powerful. His words are effective. And they are creative. Did he use previously available elements, forces, or powers? Did he take something that was already there and sort of just rearrange it a little bit, make it a little bit different, add some things to it, and there it is. There, there's the things God created. It's not that way. God created what he made out of nothing. And mankind, mankind thinks he's so smart in fact, there are people that think they're smarter than you. <laughs> and they think they're smarter than the Bible because they think that somehow all of this stuff came about some other way. They have a better plan. It all came from big bangs and, and chance collisions and things that just kind of happened this way. And, and lo and behold, everything started coming together in such a way that, you know, how preposterous, how ridiculous. Um, it's, it's, make, it's as though they profess themselves wiser than God himself. And you know what? Mankind, with all of his intellect, all of his wisdom, and all of his experience, he takes the things, the elements that God made, and they, he makes something that you can drive around. And he thinks, wow, look what we've done. They, he builds things that people can walk in and live in. They may make buildings with elevators. They make buildings that go up into the sky, and they think, look what we are able to do. But I tell you what, nothing, even computers, you know, they think, wow, man, mankind has really come a long way. Look what he can do with computers. Yeah. No computer is as capable as your, your brain. Okay? Doesn't even get close. So these are the things that, that man has been able to do with the things God created. But has man ever been able to actually create anything? Man cannot create a thing. Not, not one thing. 
And certainly he cannot create life. Life comes only from God, and he is the one that created life. And life, the life that God created back in Genesis chapter 1-2, that life has been perpetuated to this very day. It's never stopped. It is never the, it's never been snuffed out. Um, the first man and the first woman, look, they have turned into what is now 7.2 billion people. And all the animals that God created, all the fish and all the birds, all of those things, they are still flying above the earth. They are still swimming in our rivers and streams and oceans. They're all still here. God created the original, and it just kept on making more. Talk about amazing. Talk about powerful. Talk about mighty. Talk about intelligent. There's no way to even fathom the the great intelligence and power of God. And so, God said, let there be, and there was. Hebrews 11.3 says, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. And so, this is the only sensible explanation. I want to tell you tonight, brothers and sisters, in case you're wondering, in case you're a little nervous about this whole issue of creation, it is the only sensible explanation for things being here the way they are, is that there is an almighty God behind it. So don't think yourself unintelligent. Don't think that you're just an ignorant person that's just going along with what you've been told. That is the only sensible explanation. Anything else is like fairy tales, all right? Um, And so have confidence in what you know and what you believe. And so this is the only uh, sensible explanation. We have an infinite intelligence. We have endless creativity. When I think about what God made, it just, it just baffles the mind. All the creativity, all the different variations of all the different species that exist, and it all came right out of the mouth of God when he said, let there be whatever. Can you imagine the wealth of information just flooded out of his mind into the, into the existence of this earth and this world so that all the different kinds of birds, just that information all came out, the DNA of every creature. Keep flowing out of his mouth when he said, let there be birds, let there be fish, let there be animals, let there be creatures, all this information. And scientists have just in the last number of years been able to discover a lot of that information that before in generations was like they had no idea that was there. And it all came out of the mouth of God when he said, let there be, and there it was. I tell you what, that should, we should all stand in awe and say, wow. What a God he is. Look what he's done. Eternal wisdom. Explain to me photosynthesis. How can it be? How can it be that we see trees all around you here in Virginia? There's lots of trees. Lots of trees where I come from too. But those trees are made out of carbon. Where'd the carbon come from? The carbon comes out of the air. And it turns into trees. Photosynthesis. Explain that. How can it be? Eternal wisdom. Infinite intelligence. Put that system together. Mankind can't do anything that even comes close. Life. The fact that there is life. We are all independent. I mean, look. We are not connected to anything. We're not plugged in. You know? We had a very important, uh, a very important device in uh, Mildred's house. That's a coffee grinder. I, I picked that thing up this morning and walked around with it, pushed the buttons on it. Didn't work because it wasn't plugged in. 
All you got to do is plug it in. It works. But we're not plugged in. We're not connected. Yeah, we have to put some fuel in there every once in a while. I got lots of fuel in there today. But, you know, we're not connected to a, to a, to a source of power. There's nothing. We, we don't need to be recharged necessarily. We're just independent walking around. We have life. I don't know. Those things just kind of, wow, I can hardly, it's hard to believe it. But it's the way it is. Human eyes, another, another just mind-boggling how a human eye can work. Even your blood that flows through your veins. You know, any other substance, you poke a hole in a balloon full of water, what, what happens? All the water runs out. You poke a hole in skin, it stops, it stops within moments. Why? How? Why doesn't it all empty out? Well, for some people it does, and that's a serious medical problem. But, but God created our blood, and it would never have been that way by accident. It can't be that way by accident. Because otherwise, whatever got injured before all the things got into place that make the blood clot, that it would have died before it ever had a chance to reproduce. I mean, there's all kinds of things like that. And so, brothers and sisters, creation... God creates. He's the creator. And we should all marvel. I mean, take some time. Take some time to marvel. We're stressed out, you know. We got things we got to do. We got places we got to go. We got, we got all kinds of problems to deal with all the time. And unfortunately, many times we don't take time to marvel. Just say, wow, look at this. Just think about what God has done. It is absolutely amazing. Well, let's move on here. Psalm 104, 24. Uh, talking about the marvels of God's creation. Oh, Lord, how manifold are they works. In wisdom hast thou made them all. The earth is full of thy riches. And again in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3, it says, And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And so everywhere we look, every nook, every cranny of this earth shouts the glory of God if we are able to see it and take time to notice. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. Here is something that happens in your life. The creative work of God. It says, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, we're talking about Genesis 1, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So here, God's work, his creative work, is applied to the heart of man. Back in the creation, he spoke the light into existence. And when he comes into your heart, when he comes into your life, he comes in there and says, let there be light in your life. And the light comes on inside of you. So that there is something there that was never there before. You walked in darkness. And all of a sudden, he comes in and there's light. He shines the light of his spirit upon you. You become a living being, a living soul. And you are alive spiritually the light of life, the splendor, and the glory of God's creative work is done in our hearts. And so when we pray with the psalmist, create, we're saying make something. God makes something that would not be there outside of your power 
and your influence. And I want to tell you something else tonight. What God creates is beautiful, and what God creates is pure, and what God creates is right. And I tell you, when you have the creative work of God in your heart, he makes something beautiful, something pure, and something right out of your life. Now, you might think tonight, well, look at me. I'm not anything special. I'm just me, and maybe I'm not the most beautiful person. But I tell you tonight, in the Lord Jesus Christ, I'll tell you a story, okay? I'll tell you a story about a beautiful woman. She's a beautiful woman, okay? She had a fire in her house, okay? I'll tell you a story about a fire in a house. Terrible thing. But there was a man in her house who was told not to light a candle. Now, don't you light candles in this house? And what did he do? He lit a candle in the house. In fact, he lit a candle on his windowsill with the drapery hanging close to the candle. And lo and behold, guess what happened? The, the candle lit the drapes on fire and it went up and around the, the window. It was an old stone house with very wide, you know, windowsills and very wide casement around the windows, whatever you want to call it. And it was, a, it was a terrible disaster. The flames started hitting the ceiling. Smoke was going all over the house. And, it was, and the, the paint were all blistering down the hall. And it was all black and sooty and messy and disgusting in there. And this young man, he lit the, 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 fire, the fire on fire and, and it just wrecked the house. It was a terrible mess. Smelled like smoke. Everything is black. Paint is all blistered. We went to see this lady. She's an old lady. She took us through the house. We went from room to room upstairs, and she said, I am so thankful. I am so blessed. It could have been so much worse. We'd go into another room. She'd say, I'm so thankful. I am so thankful. And you would never dream that she's looking at black ceilings. You'd never dream that she's looking at a window that's all burned all the way around. You'd never dream it. You'd never know it. If you wouldn't have seen what she was looking at, you'd think that there's something wonderful had happened. She was an old lady with wrinkled skin. She probably could hardly get up the steps. But that woman, I'm telling you, she was a beautiful woman because she had the glory of God in her heart and life. Okay? And so tonight, you have the option and the possibility of becoming a beautiful person. Because that's what God creates. God creates beauty in your life when you allow him. Create in me. Create in me, God, a clean heart. Create in me something that would never be there except by your influence upon me. Beautiful, pure, and good. This is what God wants to do in your life. So we need to ask him, Lord, create in me what you want in my heart. Next two words in the verse are in me. Create in me. And it is a work that takes place on the inside. Okay? It is not just putting something on the outside. It's not just dressing up what's already there. It is something that is within you at the most inner level of your being. Okay? Create in me a clean heart. Something that happens way down deep inside of us. Not just putting on a clean face. Not an external facade. 
It's not just changing our language to shroud the perverse heart within us. It is a change at the most fundamental level. It's a work upon the heart. It's a work upon the mind and upon the soul. And a clean heart tonight is a new identity for the person of God. It's a new identity. It's a new person. This work of God is done as we invite him. As we invite him in. Now I want to ask you tonight. If that is a common prayer of yours. Is it a common prayer of yours that you come before God and say, God, change me. God, make me what you want me to be. You know, we live in America. In America, people are supposed to become what they want to be. You can be anything you want to be, okay? That's the message of America. You be what you want to be, and don't worry about the rest of the people. You just be what you want to be. Do what you want to do. Go where you want to go. Buy the things you want to have. You, it's all about you, you, you. But our prayer needs to be, God, make me what you want me to be. That needs to be the prayer of every one of God's children. And I want to encourage you, challenge you, exhort you. I can't quite command you to pray that prayer. Say, God, make me the person you want me to be. And let me tell you what's going to happen when you pray that prayer. All your problems go away. (laughs) Is that how it works? You say, God, make me the person you want me to be. Why are things going so wrong? Why am I going through these trials and afflictions? Why is life so hard? That's probably because God's answering your prayer. Because when we pray that God will change us and make us what we ought to be, often it comes through pain, loss, difficulty, suffering. That's how God, that's how God works. That's how he changes a person. And so those who convey the message that you follow Jesus and everything's going to be easy, I got nothing against baloney, but that is baloney. <laughs> okay? <laughs> that's just a bunch of baloney. It's not true. You commit your life to the Lord Jesus Christ and want him to modify you and change you and turn you into the person you ought to be, life's going to be hard for you. It's going to be good. You're going to have joy. You're going to have peace. You're going to have the satisfaction of growing into the image of Jesus, which is a beautiful thing, but it won't always be easy. It may end up being rather difficult. But we're asking him to modify us, change us on the inside. And you know what, tonight, maybe you're here and you're thinking of somebody else. You know, we're we're praying the prayer tonight, create in me a clean heart. We're not saying, God, create a clean heart in brother so-and-so. Or maybe create a clean heart in my wife. Or maybe my husband. But it's in me. Create in me a clean heart. Oh, God. And so tonight, that needs to be your prayer. And it needs to be my prayer. You know, tonight, I've heard it said, and it's probably an old saying, you probably heard it a lot of times, the biggest room in the world. Do you know what the biggest room in the world is? The room for improvement. That's the biggest room in the world. We all have that. We all have the biggest room in the world in our own life. We have room for improvement. We have areas to grow in, process, uh, progress we need to make. And so let's not miss the message God has for us as we are thinking maybe of other people.
Notice that it is on the inside, and it's not something that we put on. It's not some, something that we can just conjure up, but it's something that God creates within us. It is a work of his Holy Spirit carried on or carried out with our cooperation. Okay? Do you know the building of your life? The building your, of your life into the image of Jesus is not a one-sided project. God is not going to overpower you. He is not going to come upon you in such a way that you can't resist. It is a cooperative project. We labor with God. God, yes, he has the plan. He's got the, the, the prince. He knows what he wants to make of you, but you need to go along with him and cooperate. Okay? And so in praying this prayer, create in me a clean heart, O oh God, we are cooperating with God's Holy Spirit in doing that work. Let's move on to a clean heart. Create in me a clean heart. Now, we're all familiar with clean here tonight. I look around this church. looks pretty clean in here to me, okay? Now, some of you might be cleaners, and you might say there's dirt in here, okay? It all depends on your perspective and your professional. Uh, if you're a professional cleaner, well, uh, that's, it's different. You see things other people don't. You ch- tell a child to wash their hands. You, you know what they usually do? Did you wash your hands before you ate? Or did you wash your hands when you came in the, from playing? What will they do? They'll look at him and say, they're not dirty. <laughs> That's how children are. They don't see dirt. They don't, they don't know that there's actually little creepy crawlies all over their hands. They don't know that there's germs on there or bacteria or whatever. They don't know that. They just know they look okay to me. You know, I'm just making mud pies, but it's all right, you know. <laughs> they don't see the dirt. Um... So uh, we all have a different idea of what is clean. Walk into a house. You walk into a house, I think it's clean. I mean, I was in a couple houses today, and you didn't know that I was really, really analyzing your houses. <laughs> no, I wasn't. I don't see, I'm not a dirt person. I don't see the dirt. I really don't. Um, but some other people, my pastor friend, the, the man that I pastor with, his name is Marcus Fox, and he has a cleaning business. A cleaning business. Now, I can't, I don't know, I, 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 I'm almost the opposite. I have a dirtying business, okay? <laughs> I walk in the chicken pen with my boots on, and then, you know, it gets all, you know, it's, it's everywhere. And I got cobwebs all coming down off the, uh, the ceiling of my barn. I walk around in there, and I come out with these big, long cobwebs hanging off. It's like I'm a dirtying, I got a dirtying business. <laughs> in fact, I, I sat in my van to come down here. I looked at the back of my seat, and I had been sitting in there with my dirty coat on, and the dirt came off my coat all over my back, the back of my seat of my van. And I hope I didn't bring any with it. I, you know, I don't know if it's back there or not, but, you know, it just might be. But uh, different people have different standards of clean. And you, uh, I'm sure you understand that. Maybe you men, you, 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 know, you don't see dirt and your wife, oh, you, 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 you don't walk in here. They have all these instructions for you to keep everything clean. But uh, anyway, so what is a clean heart anyway? Who's the one that decides? Who decides what is clean? Do you decide? Is it your decision what's clean? Do you say, well, to me, clean is... Is that how it works? Or is it the pastors? You've got a couple pastors here. They're the ones that decide what is clean in your life. Okay, guys, this is clean for you to do. This is not clean for you to do. Now, now you know, behave yourselves. Is that, who's, is that who decides? Who sets the standard for what is clean? You know what I'm getting at, right? Do you know where we're going with that? 
God is the one that decides what is clean, okay? It's not you. It's not the preacher. It's not the radio preacher. It's not the televangelist. It's none of those. It's God himself. God is the one that determines what is clean. And so you might compare yourself, and those that compare themselves among themselves are what? Not wise, right? You all know that. But we compare ourselves to other people, and we say, well, I'm not as bad as they are. Since when are they the standard for what is good or bad or right or wrong? Well, I'm not quite as good as he is. Well, since when is he the standard for what is good or right or wrong? See, people are not the standard. And unfortunately, as Christians, many times what we do is we measure ourselves by ourselves. We say, because we're not bad like them, we're okay. Because we're not quite as good as them, well, maybe we have some progress to make. But the focus in both those situations is people. And people are not the focus of the Christian life. God is the focus. Christ is the focus. And he is the one that sets the standard and determines what is right, what is wrong, what is good, what is bad, what is clean, and what is dirty. It's God who makes those judgments. And God has actually communicated to us very explicitly in his word what standard of clean he expects of his people. I invite you to turn tonight to Ephesians chapter 5. We're defining clean tonight. And uh, I just preached a sermon like this not too long ago at Fairview where I was rather explicit about what I said. I'll try not to go too heavy here tonight. But it was actually from this very passage. I preached several verses in Ephesians chapter 5. But, uh, you know, in the world we live in, we need to communicate clearly. And it's best not to be terribly general about what we're talking about because sometimes people do not take it seriously for one thing, for really general. And for another thing, uh, people might not even know what you're talking about. And so here it says in Ephesians 5.3, But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become as saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. And so here we have some prohibitions, things that God says you are not to allow in your life. First of all, being fornication. It's the Greek word pornea, and that would be sexual activity outside of marriage. That is not acceptable. It is not allowed among God's people. It is behavior that is explicitly forbidden by God. Now, has the church done well? in general, at obeying this command. No, the church has not done well. You look at evangelical Christianity, you look at, and I'm not, I don't want to pick on anybody, but Protestant churches, their, their moral climate is similar to that of the world. They basically follow the pattern of the world around them. And people of God here tonight, we are those who take the word of God, Believe it and live it out as literally and practically as possible. And so if God says there is to be no fornication, we have no other choice but to say amen. That's the way we're going to live. We're not going to do that. We're not going to engage in those kind of activities. Absolutely not. And I think that's probably not a relevant 
concern here at your church, I trust, by God's grace. Uncleanness, though, on the other hand, has to do with a personal inner condition. Perhaps uncleanness is not necessarily acted out in a person's life, but it is something that is dirt on the inside. It's an impurity of the mind, maybe a secret, inordinate desire. And I want to tell us this evening that these two situations we just described are rampant, absolutely rampant and basically unbridled in our world today. People have no control over their passions. They have no regulation on what they will do or not do. And I could go into some details, which I won't go into tonight. My son worked with some young men this last summer, and he, fa- he finally came home one day and said, Dad, I can't work with those guys anymore because of their conversations over lunchtime. He was like, woo, I can't, I can't listen to this. I can't be a godly person in the presence of people talking like that. And it's just rampant. And, you know, you, you, you got to wonder, what is the future of our land? Because this land is just so saturated in perversion. It's sickening. But God gives us a clear standard of what is good, what is right, and also of what is wrong. Now let's move on to covetousness. I once had a man tell me it's not covetousness. There's no C-H in covetous. He said, now Brother Ted, when you say this word, you need to say covetous. So I'll try. Try to do it right. Covetousness is the misconception this evening that something of earth, are you with me? Something of earth will satisfy my heart. Did you ever have that misconception? That something of earth was going to satisfy my heart. That's covetous. Okay? That is, that is a, a, a wrong understanding of yourself and of the things of earth. They're never intended or created to satisfy your heart. It can't happen. Because you've been, you've been created by Almighty God. In fact, if you read back in the beginning of your Bible, you, feel, you find that God created man how? In his own image. And so, as one who is created in the image of God, God created you for a relationship with himself. And the only thing that will really fill the the emptiness of your heart and of your life is a relationship with God himself. That's the way we're made. So that people who know God, and the people that walk with God, and the people that have a meaningful relationship with God, they are the people that have the greatest degree of peace and joy and satisfaction and love and all the things that people really want in life, those are the people that actually have it found because it's found in God. It's found in a relationship with him. And if we don't have a relationship with God, we will never be satisfied until we do because the things of earth cannot fill an empty heart. It's not possible. And so covetousness is trying to fill those needs of our hearts with things of earth. We may say things like, if only I had more money, if only I had a nicer car, if only I had a better house, if only I had a beautiful face or a beautiful body, if only I had a better personality, and the list could go on and on of things that we could wish for. Well, that's all covetous. They spend their life, people like that spend their life in discontent. Pity, pity them. They're dissatisfied, they're discouraged due to their perceived lack 
of the things they think they need. This is actually a form of idolatry as, as uh, portrayed in the word of God. It is a form of idolatry. It's the opposite of gratitude. It's the opposite of gratitude. And so tonight, some people tell me, tell me that I talk straight. People of God tonight, get over it. Get over covetousness. Just get over it. You've got to realize you are never going to drive the nicest car. You've got to get over it. You'll never live in the nicest house. You will never be the smartest person. You will never be the best looking. That's a tough one, I know. But these things, that you'll never have it. So just get over it. Learn to be content. Learn to be grateful. Learn to accept it. Learn to say, thank you, God, for what I do have. Thank you, God, for who I am. Thank you, God, for how I look. Thank you, God, for the possessions I have. Thank you, first of all, most of all, that I can have a relationship with you, which actually satisfies my heart. Okay? Learn to be grateful. Learn to be content. Find joy and fulfillment in serving the Lord. Be humble. Be grateful. Be content. Now, how many times are these things supposed to be mentioned? It says fornication, uncleanness, covetousness. Let it not once be mentioned among the saints. Not even once. In other words, they are to be totally excluded from the experience and life of God's people. Not once. Let's turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. If you'd like to, if you don't want to, that's okay. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 says this, For this is the will of God. You want to know what the will of God is tonight? Here it is. This is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from, again, the word, fornication. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified for God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. And so God's standard of clean this evening, God's standard of holiness this evening leaves no room. Did you hear me tonight? It leaves no room for impurity, lust, uncleanness, or evil desire. None. God's standard, God's tolerance for these sins is zero. Now, does that mean that if you struggle with those things, you're lost? No. Does it mean if you struggle with those things that you are always going to struggle with those things? No, it doesn't mean that either. But it does mean that God says none of this ought to be part of your life. None of it. God takes a zero tolerance to these things. So how much is allowed? None. Notice, know how to possess your vessel. Are we good at that? Are we experts at possessing our vessel? You know, you're good at something. Uh, I drove in a driveway today and it said uh, goods uh, gutters. And I drove a little further back, I, I found a truck that said goods painting. Uh, everybody's an expert at something. I'm supposing they're experts in those fields, Okay. Uh, everybody's an expert in something. I'm an expert in taking care of my own chickens. I know how to do that. Okay? I know how to grow broccoli pretty well. I'm pretty much an expert at growing broccoli. I can grow pretty nice broccoli. Everybody's an expert in something. And, you, you know, if you want to do something important in life, guys, grow broccoli. 
Okay, that's important. Everybody loves broccoli, okay? But everybody's got their area of expertise, and I'm telling you, people of God tonight, we should be experts in possessing our vessel. Experts that we know how to regulate ourselves. We know how to control ourselves. We know how to control our minds. We know how to control the desires of our hearts. We know how to shut things down that don't belong. We know how to do that. We need to know how to possess our vessel under sanctification and honor. Those are things we ought to get good at. Hopefully you've practiced a lot and you are good at it. And so, uncleanness tonight. Let's talk about uncleanness just for just a moment. It is a ripoff. Yes, it is consistent with our fleshly desires. Uncleanness, yes, it is consistent with our fleshly desires, yet so dissatisfying. Dissatisfying. Holiness. I don't know if you found it true in your life or not. Do I see some holy people here that have actually grown in their holiness in life? Have you found out that holiness produces joy in your life? Have you found that out? A holy person. Looking for the key for happiness? The world is looking for the key for happiness. I tell you what, holiness really gets close. You want to be a happy person, be a holy person. Because God created us that way. When we are getting close to the original condition God created us to be, when we become the person God intends for us to be, that is when we start to really experience joy in life. Okay? Because we're, we're becoming fulfilled. We're becoming what God wants. And so make that your goal and aspiration in life, to be a holy person. Psalm 24 says, Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that had clean hands... And a pure heart. These are the people that will stand in God's presence. Who hath not lifted up a soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the man who will stand before God. And sadly, tonight, that leaves many out. Clean hands and a pure heart. Jesus said in the Beatitudes, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And so tonight, do you want to see God? This is who will see God today. They'll see him today. They'll also see him forever. Many in the church today somehow think it does not matter. They somehow explain away the clear words of Jesus. The world thinks and believes the opposite. Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart. The world around you, you know what they're saying? Blessed are those who are full of lust and evil desire and are chasing after fantasy, evil. They're saying that is the blessed person, but that is a lie. It's a lie. From the devil. And so the devil has duped the world into thinking that lust will somehow satisfy their cravings of their heart. Many are bound and destroyed by lust. It's an easy trap to fall into. Many have fallen, and tonight, don't let it be you. Don't let it be you. Keep yourself from those evil things. Would you tonight lose your soul for lust? You know, there are many who are falling for this. Lust is Satan's lie. It is a desire for something that does not even exist. It is a great lie of the devil. 2 Timothy 2.22, it says, Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. This is what we are to pursue tonight. Instead of lust, we are to pursue righteousness, faith, charity, and peace. That defines the people of God, and that is what they follow after, and that is who they are. 1 Peter 1.22, seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, 
unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. And so that indicates the method of God's working, obeying the truth. Tonight, there are times in your life that you will just simply have to obey. Okay? You just simply have to obey God. Is God the position, does he have the position in your life that he is such an authority over you that you're actually able to just say, God, because you said it, I'll do it. Okay? Obeying the truth. If God says no to this, he puts an X over it. That is not for you. You have to be able to say, okay, God, I will listen. Okay? Um, I could give an illustration tonight about loving your wife. Okay, men, loving your wife. God commands you. To love your wife. Do you always feel like loving your wife? Huh? Be honest now. Do you always feel like it? Does she always behave in a way that makes you, oh, I just, I just you know. Is that how it always is? I'm sorry, ladies, to have to inform you, but there's times that you're not that way. Okay? But you know what? God commanded us to love our wife. Okay? Does that ever overrule you that right now I don't feel that way, but I'm going to because God says so? that ever happened to you? I, I, I don't answer, okay? <laughs> don't answer. But you know what? That's the way it is. Okay, God, okay, wait, hold it. Right now I'm not feeling like, you know, it's not, but you commanded me. Okay, I will, okay? Um, right now I feel, I feel the urge for evil desire. I feel like I, I should do something. I, I feel like I want to do something I shouldn't do. But God, you said no. He said no to that. Okay. I will not. Okay? Does God's authority ever overrule your impulse to do something? It must be that way. It has to be that way or else God does not have authority over you. God's authority overrules my natural desire. And I will listen to him. And it's for my own good and for his great glory and purpose. And so we obey the truth through the Spirit. And it says the motive is a pure heart. We love one another with a pure heart fervently. I'll try to hasten on to the end. I think I'm getting, my son told me to preach short tonight, but I'm sorry, it's already, it's already too late for that. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 to 5. I have too many scriptures here, I know, um, but maybe that's not possible, all right? For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare, what are they? They are not carnal. They're not things of, of, of flesh. They're not things that are material. But they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And here's the key, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And so this is a how-to verse. It involves recognition of wrong thoughts and thinking. And are you skilled in doing that? Recognizing that what's spinning around in here is not right. Did you ever catch yourself thinking wrong thoughts? Well, of course you did. I do. Um, sometimes I'm thinking bad things about people. I didn't want, well, you know why they said that? It's because of this. Because they were that kind of person. Because they, you know, whatever. Hey, hold it. I don't know that. That's not right. It's thinking evil of them, and I don't know that. God, I'm sorry. That's the wrong way to think about that. Um, and it comes in, a, in the area of lust as well, when there's lustful thoughts. We recognize, wait a minute, hold it. That's not what I'm about. I'm not that kind of person. I'm a man of God. 
God, help me. I first of all have to recognize something's wrong, and then I need to do something about it, and I need to seek God's answer for that. God, help me. Put the right thoughts in my mind, because right now the wrong ones want to get in there. So, a clean heart tonight is one that is free of pollution, as defined by God. Verse in Proverbs, very helpful in this setting. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And that word keep is like guard. Guard your heart. Protect your heart. All of life flows out of your heart. And I want us to picture tonight a relic in a museum. Now, I, I know you have museums in Virginia. I know there's one up there near Harrisonburg. Somewhere up there, there's a Civil War museum. I don't even want to think about it, okay? I think that's horrible. I can hardly stand the thought of it, all these people fighting each other, killing each other for what? Uh, it frustrates me. But in the Reading Museum, there's a mummy, okay? There's a mummy in there, okay? That's not so pleasant either. But uh, the mummy is in a glass case. Now, I haven't seen the mummy for many years. I was, uh, many years ago, I saw this mummy in there. But it's in a glass case, and uh, I'm imagining there's security cameras all around to, to make sure nobody does anything to harm the mummy, okay? But the mummy's in there behind glass. There's probably a, a climate-controlled environment there, probably got the right temperature there, the right humidity there so it doesn't deteriorate. And it's just, it's just guarded. It's kept very carefully. Standing at the doorway, there's a security guard in a blue uniform, and uh, nobody is allowed to get in there. Nobody's allowed to do anything to that relic because it's valuable, Okay? Apply that to your heart. Apply that to your heart tonight. Because you need to guard your heart. You need to protect your heart. You need to put it under security surveillance so that it does not become defiled, so that it doesn't become ruined and wrecked and wasted. You've got to protect it. And probably every man in here tonight, maybe even the women, can relate to having damaged your heart. When something comes into your life, something comes into your eyes, something comes into your ears, something... Something comes along that maybe you weren't even planning on. Oh, why do I got to put up with that? And you know what? There have been things that I have had come into my life that took me days to get out. Okay? And you probably can relate to that. But you know what? Guard your heart. At least don't let it there on purpose. Okay? We can't help sometimes what we see. We can't help what we hear. But I tell you what, we can help what we actually focus our lives upon. Guard your heart. Keep it clean. Keep it pure. So maybe you're here tonight. I don't know what you brought in here tonight. I don't know if you brought in here a clean heart or not. I don't know if you're defiled. I don't know if you're polluted. I don't know that. But Isaiah 118 says, come now. God is reasonable. God wants the very best for you. God wants to see you living in victory. And he wants to see you clean and pure and holy before him. God wants you to be in a right relationship with him. God wants you to walk through life with confidence and joy. He doesn't want you to be guilty. He doesn't want you to be defiled. And so he says, come. Now let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. God is inviting you to to cleanness and purity of mind and heart this evening. Psalm 51, 7, same psalm we read. Purge me with this up, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. And so this evening, God will forgive. God will cleanse. God will empower, and God will help you in dealing with impurity in your life.
the last ver- the words of this verse. <clears throat> Actually, the last few words. Oh God, we recognize that God is the one who produces a clean heart. And then we say also, renew a right spirit within me because impurity is a wrong spirit. It is a hidden corruption. It is a festering cancer. Um, just the other day, I was talking to Jay Fox, and Jay Fox was at a funeral. Jay Fox was at a funeral of a 16-year-old boy. And the 16-year-old boy had contracted an infection in his brain. And he died within days after getting this infection. It was a very rapid death. Um, to look at him, you, I, I, don't, I don't know who the person was, and I never saw him. But, you know, to look at somebody that has a problem like it, probably wouldn't notice. Probably wouldn't necessarily see there's a problem because it's inside. And that is sort of how impurity is. It's something that is inside. But it's something that is really having a bad effect on the inside of a person who is unclean. And so, renew a right spirit within me. Outwardly, it may not be obvious to anyone this evening, but it effectively will take your spiritual life away very quickly. When we're physically sick, what do we do? When you have a headache, what do you do? Take a painkiller. Get the pain behind you. Move on in life. You know, we take care of those things. What if somebody has, I understand there's a lady here that had a, my wife had the same problem, gall, gall, gallbladder bladder problem. Pain. I mean, my poor wife, she was in such pain like I've never seen a person in pain. Do we say, well, it's all right. You'll be fine. Just man up. That's what we did. That wouldn't have been very nice. That would have been rather cruel. We said, you know what? We've got to do something about this. We cannot have this. My wife is in pain. In fact, she was in the, she, I, know I shouldn't tell the story, but she was in so much pain, and they wouldn't do anything about it. I said, my wife is in pain. Give her something. You know what I mean? We take care of things. When there's a physical problem, we take care of it. Somebody needs stitches, we go get stitches. When somebody's got a headache, we take painkiller. When we got a serious illness, we go to the hospital and get under the doctor's care to try to get over it. How about when we have a spiritual problem? You know, physical problems are temporary. Everything in this life is temporary. We're going to move on out of this life. Our body will fail at some point, and we will go to the grave. But our soul will live forever. So we can't afford it. We cannot afford to carry uncleanness tonight in our minds and hearts. We need to be cleansed. We need to be straightened out. We need to get on the right track. And so let's deal with that tonight. So create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Maybe after this message this evening, you are saying, that's me. That is me. I have been defiled. I have been corrupted. There is uncleanness in my life, and I need to do something about it. You know what? We're going to give you an invitation tonight. It's a kind of an invitation that maybe nobody wants to respond to, but I'll tell you what. I'll be honest with you tonight. I preach this sermon in some other churches. I've had people standing up here after this message because they knew they were not clean and they wanted to make things right before they left. Okay? We're going to give you an invitation tonight. The invitation will be this. If the Lord has spoken to you tonight and you are saying, you know what, that was for me, 
I need to be cleansed. There's an issue in my life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to respond. We're going to let you stand right where you are. I'll acknowledge you. And then you can sit down. But I want you to do one thing. If you stand this evening for the invitation, you need to talk to somebody before you leave here tonight and say, okay, this is my issue. This is my problem. I want a victory. I need support, encouragement, and help to do it. Okay? And so I've had men stand for this message. I've had women stand for this message. I've had old men stand for this message. And so tonight, if you feel the Lord has spoken to you about this issue, some type of uncleanness, uncleanness, impurity in your life, don't leave here tonight dragging that thing with you. But deal with it. Get it out of your life. And you will always be glad you did. And if you think that people are going to criticize you or think badly of you for responding to a message, forget that too. God's people always rejoice when people get right with God. And so we're going to sing a song. What shall our song be tonight? 225.